Welcome to AJHP Voices, a series of discussions with AJHP authors and interviews focused on contemporary issues that drive health outcomes. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP. Its mission is to advance science, pharmacy practice, and health outcomes. This is William Zelmer for AJHP Voices. I'm speaking with two of the authors of the article, National Trends in Prescription Drug Expenditures and Projections for 2020. With me are Dr. Eric Tishy of the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and Dr. Matthew Rim, University of Illinois Health Sciences System and University of Illinois at Chicago College of Pharmacy. Eric, I'd like to start with you. Could you comment briefly on the methods your team used to document 2019 drug expenditure trends and make projections for 2020? Yeah, so at a high level, there's really four main components that are used. The first is we use the IQVIA National Sales Database to look at recent and historical purchases of drugs in different sectors of the drug purchase economy. We also use a service called IPD Analytics that helps us see what new drugs are coming down the pipeline that we would expect to see approved in the coming year and also generic drugs that are going to be approved in the the near future that could have a significant impact on expenditures. Um, In addition to that, we take the historical data and we do some analytical modeling that sort of uh, produces a a number of different projections based on historical trends and what we expect to see in the future. And then the co-authors, there's about 10 of us that have diverse backgrounds and experiences in healthcare, and we get together and we discuss these inputs and come up with um, projections and adjust the models according to our expectations. Okay. Well, I think it's important to have that background as we uh, get into uh, more depth here in this discussion. So, um, Eric, uh, considering the U.S. market for biopharmaceuticals as a whole, what did you find with respect to expenditures in 2019 compared with the previous year? Well, what we found is that overall expenditures for pharmaceuticals grew by about 5.4%, and that was driven by a mix of increases in price utilization and new drugs coming to the market. So those three factors um, moved it forward. And Mm -hmm. this growth rate has actually been pretty stable over the last several years. Okay. Well, uh, you break down the overall results for market sectors, such as retail pharmacies, mail-order pharmacies, and non-federal hospitals, to name just three of the nine categories. Let's take two of those. Eric, if you would start with uh, non-federal hospitals, what were the key trends here? So one of the the big trends that we're seeing in the hospitals, and this is a continuation of a trend that's been occurring over the last couple of years, is that the expense increases in hospitals are are pretty moderate. Uh, Expenses only increased 1.5% over the last year, and it was mainly driven by some small increases in price and some new products that have come to the market. Mm -hmm. We're also seeing a change in the top expense drugs. 
So there's there's a big change when you look at that top 25 list of drug expenses in non-federal hospitals. We're seeing some pretty dynamic changes. One of the biggest changes is being driven by the effects of biosimilars. So there are about seven drugs that are in the top 25 that are now facing biosimilar competition. We're starting to see better uptake of those drugs. And many of those drugs that have been in the top 25 for a long time are falling pretty significantly, as in more than 10% um, sort of reduction in expenses over the last year. And that's leading to sort of a changing of the guard of the top um, expenditure drugs in that space. Um, we're also seeing that a lot of the hospital drugs are really drugs that are probably given in the hospital outpatient setting. Only a handful of the drugs are really given in the surgical setting or in the acute care hospital. And one of those drugs that's in the top 25 now and has been rising recently is a drug that is over 80 years old, vasopressin. It's a drug that um, received a patent a couple of years ago because of the unapproved drug initiative. And that drug is now in the top 20, and we expect that it might even get to the top 10 for next year. Matt, let me uh, turn to you and ask the same question, uh, key trends, uh, with respect to clinic expenditures. Yeah, so clinics, uh, you know, we've seen 17.8% of overall expenditure in 2019. And if you look at that, it's actually increased quite a bit from 2018. Uh, and... Uh, mainly uh, because of biologics and cancer drugs that are really leading this increase in drug spending in clinics. And those are uh, pretty much injectables that, you know, uh, infusions uh, or drugs that uh, you can get it from clinics. So those are the medications leading this increase. And uh, if you look at top 25 drugs uh, that Eric mentioned, table four, it lists those medications. And uh, also there is a supplementary data that uh, we list top 25 cancer drugs. That's E-Table 1, so you can uh, find more information from there. Well, Matt, uh, some listeners might find it astonishing that nearly half of all expenditures for prescription drugs in the U.S. in 2019 was for specialty drugs. Could you analyze that figure to help us understand it a little better? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so specialty prescriptions and, and drugs in general uh, it's about, you know, 2.2% of uh, utilization of all prescriptions. And like you said, uh, nearly half of our drug expenditures, that's a really uh, big number. And, uh, you know, sectors-wise, we analyze uh, three big sectors for specialty. So, mail order pharmacies and, and clinics and retail uh, settings. So, those are the three uh, biggest sectors. And, uh, you know, uh, pretty much uh, mail order pharmacy is the biggest, 43% of all specialty drugs that uh, pretty much uh, provide services to our patients. And uh, uh, I want to mention just one other sector, you know, uh, fast-growing sector is actually home health care. That's increased quite a bit from 2018, up 20.4% increase uh, in 2019. So it's a fast-growing sector. And, and mainly uh, medications being used for those specialty uh, conditions. And it's kept growing in terms of, you know, new medications coming out and what's in the pipeline. 80% uh, of medications are, uh, you know, specialty drugs in the pipeline. So we expect that this growth will continue uh, in this year and next year. 
Eric, uh, coming back to you, uh, let's turn our discussion to projections for 2020. Now, before drilling down into some of the details, could you give us your forecast for the overall U.S. market and also for non-federal hospitals and for clinics? Yes, Bill. So the overall, we expect growth somewhere in the 4 to 6% range. Last year was 5.4%, and so we, we expect it to be pretty similar. And that includes taking into account some of the recent things that we've seen in the market, such as the COVID pandemic. In the clinics and hospitals, we anticipate an increase of 9 to 11% in the clinic space. And the growth in the hospital space, we expect to be pretty similar to what it has been, which is on the lower end of the increase rates of, of 2 to 4%. Well, um, Eric, uh, you mentioned uh, COVID uh, pandemic. We're having this conversation now in early June 2020 at a time when it's uh, still uncertain how this pandemic will play out. Nevertheless, uh, Matt, I'll start with you here. I'd appreciate your thoughts on how the pandemic might affect drug expenditures this year. Initially, when uh, pandemic happened uh, and uh, we are still in it, but you know, we were thinking about supply chain disruptions and uh, some medications that might uh, go back order and not available for our patients. And uh, I recently saw that one of the immunosuppressants for transplant drugs uh, uh, was actually back order, and then we kind of had to address that for our patients. But uh, I haven't really seen uh, a lot of disruptions in specialty medications or uh, outpatient uh, medications or, or clinic setting. Uh, not not really um, uh, disruptions there yet, but it, it might happen down the road. So that's something that we uh, look at closely. And you know, we also seen have seen increase in mail order volume because you know patients are afraid of uh, coming uh, to our pharmacy windows and coming to uh, hospitals. So uh, many patients wanted to uh, really use mail order services. So I've seen some increase in mail order um, volume and growth right there. And uh, because of our clinics are closed due to COVID-19, and uh, retail pharmacy volume has been decreased. Eric, what would you add? Yeah, so what I would add is that when we as authors talked about COVID, and we, we've been following it pretty closely. We, you know, we start writing this paper in the beginning of February, and we, we, were, we had a lot of discussion on this topic. We expect the overall impact to be pretty neutral, um, and some of that is because some hospitals are going to be very busy and some are going to be very slow. What we're seeing is, depending on where you live, you're experiencing this crisis differently. Um, so at an individual hospital level, you might see big variation, and in the overall global market, we're seeing that the expenditures are probably not going to change that much um, because one place is busy, another is slow, and that kind of balances out. And even what Matt mentioned that, you know, we're seeing an increase in the mail order, but you're seeing an offsetting decrease in the in the retail sector. So we're, we're seeing a lot of those things. We also do expect a lot of catch-up. So I think some of the clinic things will, will catch up. We're also seeing that there's a rise of home care because of the reluctance of patients to go to clinics. So we do expect that that home care, which has been increasing exponentially, is going to continue to increase at a high rate. Um, another important thing is that the COVID pandemic, really it's mainly just supportive care. And 
most of the drugs that are used are not that high cost. So COVID itself is not uh, driving, going to drive a large increase in cost. That could change if a vaccine is approved within the calendar year or if remdesivir, which is a drug that was given emergency utilization approval and is, is currently being offered um, at no cost to hospitals, if those two products, the vaccine and the antiviral, if they become approved, depending on the cost, you know, those are things that we just don't know and they could um, have a significant impact. Right. Well, sticking with projections for uh, 2020, Matt, are newly marketed biopharmaceuticals likely to play a large role in expenditure growth? Yes, absolutely. So uh, new drugs has been really uh, one of the major factors to the growth of uh, medications and expenditures. And uh, if you look at recent approvers and uh, what's in the pipeline, Many of drugs are uh, really uh, biologics that are uh, treating specialty diseases and uh, some really rare diseases. And, uh, you know, because of medications coming out are uh, really highly specialized drugs, uh, we think that this will continue to impact uh, or uh, growth in, in drug expenditures, excuse me. And, and there are several gene therapies uh, in the pipeline and some CAR-T therapies. So uh, the fact that uh, medications in the pipeline are really specialized high-dollar medications, we think that this will impact uh, our expenditures for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, you've mentioned specialty drugs, but is there anything in addition you would want to say about specialty drugs and cancer drugs with respect to uh, growth this year? So specialty drugs will continue to play a large role in expenditures. And uh, if you look at uh, Table 7, we list uh, uh, drugs in the pipeline, and about 80% of drugs are specialty drugs, and many of them are cancer drugs. And, you know, uh, like I mentioned earlier, you know, more innovative therapies and high-cost drugs uh, will come out, I think, uh, you know, like CAR-T therapies. Uh, cancer drugs will definitely play even bigger role moving forward. Eric, um, what do you think about the national elections in November 2020? Could they have a bearing on drug expenditures in future years? Absolutely, Bill. Expenditures always can be influenced by the results of the elections, and depending on which direction the election goes can give more opportunity for that swing to be um, more or less dramatic. Um, there are clearly some quick policy changes that could have pretty significant impacts on drug expenditures. I mentioned vasopressin earlier. A lot of the reason why hospitals are spending so much on vasopressin is because of a regulation that allowed an 80-year-old drug to get patent protection. You know, a change in regulations or the law could, could change that, and you could see vasopressin leave the top uh, 25. Um, so that's an example of, of a change that we can see. We're also seeing a lot of um, concern at the, the federal government level about the amount of dependence that the United States has on external production of generic pharmaceuticals. And so things like bringing manufacturing of generic drugs back to the United States could have a big impact on drug expenditures. I know that the um, government recently provided some funding to bring a, a generic manufacturer back into the U.S. to supply um, uh, hospitals with generic drugs from that 
production facility and also provide emergency stockpile for the federal government. So those types of moves could accelerate depending on the election results, and we could see significant impacts on, on drug expenditures as a result. Well, gentlemen, as we wrap up our discussion, I'd like each of you to comment on this point, uh, starting with you, Matt. Um, what advice do you have for practice leaders on how to use your article in budgeting for drug expenditures for their hospitals and health systems? First of all, thank you for the opportunity to speak with you today. And, uh, you know, I want to say there are a lot of uh, additional information uh, to help uh, leaders to understand drug expenditure patterns and, and future growth. So, uh, you know, I really encourage everyone to read our article and uh, look at uh, additional analysis that, that we uh, added this year. And I hope that our article uh, really positively contributes to your planning and budgeting processes. Eric, what would you add? So what I would add is that every organization is unique. So no, no single organization looks exactly like the national market. And what that means is that you have to sort of take this information and then think about what your organization looks like, how much of your organization is clinic-based, how much of it is acute care-based. Do you have a mail-order pharmacy? Do you have a specialty pharmacy? And then sort of break down those different sectors that you're involved with to come up with what you think your numbers will be. Another important thing, I think, especially this year, is that health systems are under a lot of financial stress. Um, labor is actually the number one cost for, for hospitals and health systems. Medical and surgical supplies are number two. But pharmaceuticals is actually the third largest expense for most healthcare organizations. So we know that leaders of healthcare organizations are going to be coming to pharmacy leaders and saying, where can you drive savings? So this article provides a lot of information that I think leaders can, can take into account and, and help sort of come up with those cost or expense saving opportunities, or even come up with revenue producing opportunities, because those can all help with financial mitigation plans. And then the last thing I think that we've learned in this last year is that activism can really have an impact. So we're seeing a lot of activism in, in society right now focused on racial issues. We've also seen a lot of activism related to COVID, and we've seen a lot of changes that have occurred as a result. I, I mentioned the, the funding of generic manufacturing facilities. So I think when, when people point out things like, you know, an 80-year-old drug that's become a top, you know, 20 and soon to become a top 10 drug expense, activism around those issues can sort of gain traction and lead to meaningful change. So I think pharmacy leaders need to, to think about, you know, driving change and making policymakers aware of, of some of those opportunities that are out there. So, mm -hmm. so I would say that this article provides really a lot of tangible things that you can do in your organization and even um, sort of when you're talking to policymakers that you can call out uh, to those folks as well. Well, Eric and Matt, uh, you've made some excellent points here. Uh, uh, you and your co-authors uh, continue to make an excellent contribution to the literature uh, with this annual article. So thank you so much for taking time to discuss it with me. 
For AJHB Voices, this is William Zelmer. I've been speaking with Dr. Eric Tishy and Dr. Matthew Rim about their paper, National Trends in Prescription Drug Expenditures and Projections for 2020. Thank you for listening. That concludes this interview. For more information about AJHP, the premier source for impactful, relevant, and cutting-edge professional and scientific content that drives optimal medication use and health outcomes, please visit www.ajhp.org.